I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. And I am sipping all of the pumpkin spice everything. Oh my God. I'm basking in it. I bought a candle. Someone else gave me a candle that smelled like pumpkin spice. I'm living my best life. They know you're that you're that easy a mark that all oh, these basic I, lights can just spot each other out in the wild, and they're like, "Yes, she's one of us." You know what? You know what? They like besides the UGG boots, they basically just took a sample of my DNA and were like, "You want you want basic bitches? Let's let's make more of them." Oh, that and you know, like the whole fairy lights. Um, Pumpkin smelling candles, pumpkin spice drink, um, cozy layers, scars, um, and murder scars? mysteries. How many scarves you got? Uh, murder mysteries and 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 true crime. Yo, let's do this. Yo, Full it's here, motherfuckers. Listen, Chris and Andy discovered BritBox recently. We'll talk about that off mic, but get into Sherwood. Oh my god, it's the 1980s. <laughs> okay, 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 calm down. I was conceived by the music from that show, calm, okay? Oh my god, yo, this is episode 295 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you want to listen to any of our other 294 episodes, swing on by wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate review. Follow, subscribe. Helps push us up the algo, helps the show find new friends, and we love new friends. We do. We do love new friends. Listen, just because we're rolling up on episode 300 doesn't mean it's too late to hop on board. No, not at all. Not at all. We understand that every episode could be someone's first episode. And whether it's your first episode or your 300th episode, when you follow or subscribe this program, henceforth, new episodes will always be delivered to your device. You don't have to pay attention to anything. You can just live your life. We're going to bring those episodes to you from the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip by your mans. Dr. Chauncey Basilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf, and Pumpkin Spice Connoisseur. <laughs> connoisseur? Yep. There's really, there's really, there's, there's details to there Pumpkin Spice. There are levels to it. Of course there are. Interesting. Do you think I just smelled one Pumpkin Spice candle and went, this is it? No, no, <laughs> my friend. There were several smellings. There are subtleties. We got to get in the tannins, the tannins of the Pumpkin Spice. You really got to get in there. <laughs> the umami of the Pumpkin Spice. You really want to feel it on the back of your tongue. That's nasty. Anyway, those episodes are going to be delivered to your device. You don't have to do anything. Friends, if you have your own Pumpkin Spice discernment strategies... You can head over to twitter.com slash geekdownpod. The show lives on the social media. Let us know that if you want to donate to Caitlin's Pumpkin Spice Candle Fund. ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Three bucks in the old tip jar. I don't know how what, how big of a candle three bucks gets you, but... Hey, but it's it's overtime. And also, I'm I'm good for pumpkin spice candles. We are slowly leading into Christmas tree smelling candles, Uh-oh. so... <laughs> Rapidly approaching. Listen, step foot in a major Canadian retailer sometime. You will know it is here. It is here in my lower back. <laughs> that, is where, <laughs> that is where 
that is where it is. Friends, thank you so much for uh, allowing us a take a little impromptu break last week. It was the, uh, what did I call it on Twitter? The the national uh, commemoration of a successful harvest. <laughs> that that is call, correct. Call it that. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a lesser offensive way of referring to it, I suppose, even though Canada's is marginally less icky than the, yes. uh, than the, the, our neighbors, our Southern neighbors version. You just need to watch Adam Pam, Adam's family too. And you'll know everything you need to know. No, no Black Friday. That's all you really need to know about. And it's really just about uh, eating turkey and getting the case of the fat and happies and uh, having a nap. That's what we do. Yeah. And just basically. hanging out. I had a, a wonderful weekend with executive producer Cute out at hers. We made a little made a little dinner, watched some stuff, did some reading out in the backyard, hung some, nice. hung some lights in the backyard, took lots of photos, made a ghost costume for a French bulldog. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I didn't say anything. It's adorable. I just chuckled. It's adorable, and I cannot wait for his autumnal photo look at shoot. You, look at you be all domestic. See? You know what? You know what, Jordan? God damn it. You were the basic bitch of men, okay? You made a ghost costume what? for a dog. How dare you? And how dare you? I am, friends, I am appalled. I am completely appalled. How dare you? I, this podcast is over. <laughs> this is the thing that breaks this, us. This is, what, this is what finally did it. Uh, I'm not basic for that. I'm basic for being a fucking weeaboo who collects 80s Japanese records. That's what... I Isn't a, that being a basic white guy is, though? Yeah, at this point. It's something. It's might. It might not be, you know, Japanese pop from the '80s or vinyl, but it's. It, there's some. There's always something. Listen, it's like I trains. Was, or- I was. I was trendy up until the point Mickey Matsubara started trending on TikTok a couple summers ago, and when that happened, it was a wrap. So, yeah. How did you spend your successful harvest season? Um, I was. Uh, I actually sent it away from senior, senior correspondent. Uh, Christopher, not because I don't like him anymore. I like him as much as I ever did, actually more so. Um, but uh, I ha- went and spent it with my dad in Port Hope, and uh, because neither of us like to cook, we went out with my sister um, to a restaurant for Thanksgiving, um, which was lovely. Um, and that was basically it. We had a really chill time. Got to see beautiful leaves, of course. I don't know if it's it's the same in Toronto. Um, Toronto and Hamilton, this sort of golden horseshoe we call it around the lake, because it's it legitimately is warmer. Um, the leaves don't turn at the same time. It's like they're a little delayed. So when you go slightly more north or even east or west, the 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 heat dome is not quite the same, and so. You have all these beautiful changing leaves and yeah, it was, I glad, I was glad I got to get out of the city to sort of, to see that and to experience fall and to hang out with my dad. Well, all right. Sounds dope. If you are among our Canadian friends, we hope you had a relaxing and delicious, successful harvest day. There are some things out there floating in the ether we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Before we get into updates and whatnot, uh, first and foremost, 
we'll pass the ball over to Kate here. Hi. To commemorate the loss of one of the patron saints of this program. Wasn't my idea. Just kind of happened that way. We tip our we tip our cups. We pour out a little liquor to commemorate the the titan of Saturday night grandma themed television. Not the only <laughs> that's where most people know her from. She had a very long and storied career, and that is the Queen, Miss Angela Lansbury. That is correct. Who passed away ninety six? How old? Ninety two, ninety six? She was up there. Six. Ninety six. She was the same age as the queen, uh, the same age as senior correspondent's grandmother. Um, they were all, all born the same year. Um, and I, of course, know her. And well, I, I kind of, I grew up with her, really, um, from Murder, She Wrote, but also from Beauty and the Beast and, uh, you know, just musicals, bed bed knobs and broomsticks. Um, I mean, she was in a a, a ton of stuff. And what's really interesting is that she was a real advocate for, before it was more of a thing or before it was fashionable or before it was really part of um, people's notice was the fight for having older women on television. Um, and it started where, you know, she had a very, she started at, you know, 16, 17, 18 in, in movies and very quickly she was, um, aged up. So, uh, people may know that she got a, an Oscar nomination for the Manchurian candidate and she was literally like three years older than the guy who was playing her son. Um, and she was just really sick of it. She was like, this is bullshit, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and uh, went and had an unbelievably successful theater career. And again, she also had to prove there. They didn't know that, you know, she didn't come from theater. It wasn't well known that she could, had the pipes and could dance. And she starred in a very long run of the musical Mame. Um, and just really made the most of her career and was unbelievably um, hardworking and um, kind of gave, I think in this weird way, a lot of us really young girls and women and even and an, an older woman as well who were watching Murder, She Wrote, this like idea that life doesn't end after the happily ever after, you know, like after you're, you have kids or after you get married, because for a long time, a lot of our stories, the ending was the wedding, right? But this was, this was, she had lost her husband. She was basically retirement age and she had this whole new life. And for all of us, like Murder, She Wrote ran for what 12 years or something, like a really long time. And she continued working and acting and being in things, um, and I just think that's amazing. Like she was in the the new Mary Poppins movie. That was only like four years ago. Um, and I'm just like, I, I you know, I, I was sad initially, but also thinking I'm not really sad because she lived to 96. <laughs> like it wasn't like, you know, the tragic death of a, right. of a, you know, 
30 year old. She lived to 96. She had an amazing life. She had a really a long time with her husband. She had kids and grandkids and just was like her life was full of life. And really that's all we can hope for um, in this world is to have a life full of life. And she did. And so I'm, you know, kind of sad that she's passed, but at the same time, it was sort of her time, I think. And, and, uh, I don't think she had any regrets, um, at least not any big ones. So anyways, that I'm, I'm sad to see her go, but also just happy that she was part of my life. Definitely go and find on YouTube. Um, I don't know what era this, I don't know when this dates from. (laughs) No, I'm not that Caitlin. Something different. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up. (laughs) No, we're not bringing uh, that up. (laughs) Okay. All right. Do not look up up Angela Lansbury bathtub, number one. Or I think you should, because it just, (laughs) it just really, it really enforces what I just spoke about. Um, True. Anyways. No, yeah. it's uh, I don't know when it dates from, but it's a radio DJ playing uh, "Murder She Wrote" by Shaka Demon Suppliers for Angela Lansbury. Yes, I've seen, I've heard that. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah. Chill, chill, lady, <laughs> chill, yeah. la- chill, lady. Yeah, just, just, I think I just pleased with the world. I think yes. So clink your glasses to a life well lived. Rest in power, Queen. Moving on to a less fun story. But maybe a story that's doubling back. Um, so we know that your boy, yeah, David Zaslav, over at uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, has just been wielding the machete lately, <laughs> finding inefficiencies, if you will, and uh, it seems like the machete last week turned to uh, the animation division. Uh, primarily the fact that um, a number of hold on this figure was from Vulture I believe um, that 125 layoffs and vacant positions would not be filled most of these were at Cartoon Network Studios mm -hmm. and now moving on to a report from Deadline on October 12th the notion is that the or the the thought was that Cartoon Network's Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers Animation were kind of going to get smashed together, and in a world where, for example, people know who Harley Quinn is, but maybe don't know who Steven Universe is, right? Make more Harley Quinn. Thanks for coming out, Steven Universe. Um, and this is kind of what happened with the bulk of like R.I.P. Cartoon Network was going across social media last week because it seemed like. As Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios were getting mashed together, it seemed like, um, you know, the the room for original content, sort of risk-taking stuff like Adventure Time, Steven Universe, shows that we have loved from Cartoon Network shit dating back to, like, Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls. Like, there's a legacy there from that studio. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Also remember that uh, this is from this is from an article on Polygon that changes to Cartoon Network Studios come at a time when some of its cartoons have already become harder to track down and watch. Uh, the cuts also arrive on Discovery's acquisition of Warner Media from AT and T. HBO Max and Discovery Plus are set to become a streamlined streaming service in 2023. Uh, and Zaslav, who previously ran Discovery, pledged to cut three billion dollars from the company, and he has taken an aggressive approach approach to get there. 
In August, Discovery laid off 14% of HBO Max staff, canceled the Black Girl movie, uh, cartoons were yanked from HBO Max, dozens of Sesame Street episodes were taken off the platform, other shows totally removed, including fan favorite OKKO, Let's Be Heroes, and Infinity Train, which is a show Caitlin really liked and we talked about on the show. That is gone from streaming. It can be found on other streaming services, but not on uh, HBO Max. According to Variety, quote, output will remain the same uh, following Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios consolidating. But the response from the animation industry, denizens, and pundits has not been optimistic. Cartoon Brew declared the studio gone, which inspired pushback from a Cartoon Network staffer. Polygon spoke to a Warner Brothers rep who said uh, that the studio is not disappearing and that it still has many projects in development. The question is how this joint division will set its priorities, which is kind of what we started this talk about. Um, Mindy Kaling, Velma show. Fine. You know, that's going to hit no problem. Something as weird as infinity train or Steven universe, probably not going to get the shine. I'm sorry. I I need a a King Corgi. (laughs) More than I need another <laughs> property coming out of the Archie comics. <laughs> Listen, have you heard where Riverdale has gone since the years where we first talked about it? I, apparently, like, um, I knew they were uh, once when uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like Sabrina, first came out. They were like, it'll like we'll make mention and there'll be a crossover. They and all now it's got gone, like, superpowers and went to space. <laughs> Oh, they, they ended up in space. Apparently. It's what the most consistent man at work tells me. I just get recaps from him. That's like that's like the ultimate jumping the shark. It's <laughs> being in space. So yes, this this remains to be seen. We You hate to you hate to put your faith in capitalists and be like, maybe it won't be that bad. Um Ugh. But we may have to uh I get our fix you know other I, places. Know what I hope happens? What do you hope, hope happens, Kate? I hope if if you know, of course, you never want people to be out of work and stressed out, and you know, losing jobs and opportunities. I hope bigger and better studios are formed out of this, and that someone can see the light and be like, they have done some amazing things. They basically changed the landscape of storytelling. Um throughout the 90s and the early aughts and to onward. Say, and to say nothing of the, you know, LGBTQ representation that a 100% and doing things doing things that were either couldn't be done easily or were impossible to do for, you know, live action. Um, and just, just how important the storytelling was and I hope somebody, I, I'd hate to say Amazon or <laughs> Or any of those like massive, uh, I, I guess I can call them studios now. I don't know what else you'd call them. Um, but but somebody who could back them properly and just see that, know, know what they've given and what they can give um, takes them under their wing because we don't, you know, capitalism, we can, we can see capitalism fail at a point where it gets really like, this is what everyone watches. But then you've, you've, it's just like regular capitalism. If you absolutely cram the same thing out for consumers, 
they're going to get bored and they're going to look for different things. Um, you're going to flood the market and nobody wants the same old stories told over and over again. It's like if they reboot Batman one more time, <laughs> I'm going to set fire to everything. Um, how many Batmans has there been now in the last 20 years? Not even 15? Like don't make five? Me, don't make me do that math. I refuse. Like six, seven? Like it just, it's, it's gotten as bad as comic books. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, that's what I, I, it's sort of, it's, you can't have really good artwork when you, you know, when you cut the funding for, for everything. Um, you're just going to get, you're just going to get boring gruel, really. Um, I mean, listen, uh, give credit to the writer. This is a polygon piece written by Nicole Clark, uh, that concludes, uh, by alluding to a piece from the daily beast that whether or not cartoon network studios still exists, uh, the layoffs are still real and a large number of the HBO max execs laid off. Last summer were people of color uh, and people at the time speculated to the Daily Beast that uh, this was due to an ideological shift with content steered towards a less diverse and more, quote, middle America audience. Now we're seeing changes at an animation studio known for forward thinking programming. How the two studios will work together is an open question, as well as whether unforgettable envelope pushing cartoons will remain a priority at a conglomerate with a philosophy built on reality entertainment. Ugh, blech, blech. Yuck. Blech. <sighs> Come back next week for the anime preview. Where we can talk about <laughs> all the cartoons <laughs> that are just doing the weird shit, but that'll be next Love week. It. Kate. Yes. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go to updates? Um, just, just a little bit. We're sort of like, well, we're in spooky season. And I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to make Jordan watch this, um, but we know that, that I, I'm a really big fan of Anne Rice. <laughs> Le- and, listen, I'm amazed yeah. you didn't. This reco came from uh, all-time number one fan Kira on Twitter. Yeah. When I low-key asked for recos, and she let us know that this is pretty decent. Yeah. Well, well, this is what. So, okay, I was nervous. I was nervous. Now, just I'm going to give you some background. Anne Rice, writer of Interview with the Vampire, um, totally changing and yet at the same time just sort of expanding the vampire genre, um, went on to do a ton of sequels and prequels and books associated. Like, talk, she was like the first to do like other like books that were associated like in universe let's call it i want to call it like like the r a r u like the Anne rice universe like it's just she wrote tons of stuff um and when i was in junior high and high school these books were very important um i mean not all of it's going to hold up but also very important to me was the 1994, I think, um, movie, Interview with the Vampire, starring Brad Pitt and um, Tom Cruise. And at the time, Anne Rice was like, right when, so she had a lot of involvement initially with the movie. And I actually watched this really, really fascinating 
um, like mini documentary, I call it, um, about her involvement, involvement with it and how initially with the casting, she was so upset, but then after, and she like put like a full fucking page ad in like a newspaper being like talking about how upset she was about this thing and then retracted after she saw like a, a preview of the film and was like, I was wrong. The studio people knew what they were talking about. And I agree that I think that especially Tom Cruise in the movie was an amazing. He was an amazing Lestat. I actually think it's one of his best roles. So I was really worried because I didn't, it wasn't Louis, it was the Lestat. I didn't love the casting and I wasn't sure. So she, her and her son worked on this. They were executive producers. Of course, Anne Rice has unfortunately passed. Um, so um, relatively recently, which we talked about on the show. And I was, you know, I was just like unsure and I didn't know how good it was. And I've seen some clips and I've heard some people that I really, I, I believe them when they tell me things are good, um, say like, actually it's pretty good. And I haven't seen it yet. And I've kind of been waiting, um, to watch it. Um, and I think maybe I will give this to Jordan after all, but I'm, I'm excited about this TV series. Also, in association with that, <laughs> I did not know. I knew that they were like, I had heard things about that this would, would really be part of an ARU, like where they were going to, another major series in Anne Rice's work where it was um, the Mayfair Witches series. Mm. And I had heard sort of like, oh, they were going to do the Mayfair Witches. I didn't know they already had. <laughs> it's like they're like the, it's coming. It's, it's, I think it's coming in the, early in the new year i'm not exactly sure when they already have like a trailer out for it um like it's done they have done it now what i find fascinating is i hated that the first book in that series and it is weird like she went weird but it is real weird and i'm like i'm kind of interested in how they're gonna adapt it i'm really psyched actually (laughs) i you know i don't always love them turning like things into universes um but in this case i'm actually i'm i'm pretty excited about all this um yeah so yeah basically i'm just i'm i'm actually excited for something and it's nice that it's sort of it's it's here and it's coming out over the like sort of winter because i'm you know you get that thing and when it gets kind of cold where you start to like i'm getting my sweaters out and candles are coming out. And I'm also, it's almost like I'm nesting, but I'm trying to find TV shows to collect <laughs> for over the long winter. Um, I'm getting snacks ready. Like I'm just, I'm preparing. So it's going to be, it's going to be Anne Rice shows and Korean dramas. Yeah. Like I've just I've prepared. I'm preparing. So. Yes. That is what I am ex- excited about upcoming. And if you guys are like, Oh my gosh, you need to watch Interview with a Vampire right now, or you are psyched as well. Please let Jordan know on Twitter so that he can let me know, because I would like to know that I am not the only one. Kira is all about it, and she does not give her endorsements lightly. So, well, Kira, this just because we're supposed to be super besties. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. We're both excited. Look, everybody's excited. This is great. Don't you love liking stuff? Yeah. What else did you like this week, Kate? Um, fantastic segue, by the way. Um, I really liked the final episode in this season of Rings of Power. If you know, you know. I, I screamed at the television. Um, as the season went along, it got better episode to episode. And as the season went along, senior correspondent and I, who like, he's, he's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I am a medium Lord of the Rings fan, but I know enough about the lore to start being like, I wonder if this is going on, or I wonder if this is happening. And some of our predictions, they actually did it. <laughs> Cause we initially we were like, Oh, it'd be really cool if they did this. It was like, we, we didn't know at the outset if they knew what they were doing, if that makes any sense. I don't know how big of a uh, Lord of the Rings nerd these executives are and these showrunners are and these writers are, right? I don't know these people. Well, they're big nerds. And uh, it is delightful and exciting. And yeah, I'm, um, I was very impressed. Um, in honor of um, Angela Lansbury, I watched Beauty and the Beast. Um, I don't know if it's my television or if I haven't watched it in a while, but man, some of that animation's janky. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's still, you know, holds up, but there are some parts that I'm like, ooh, that's rough. Um, I really enjoyed Andor. Um, I saw the sixth episode. I like that they're doing these sort of like mini arcs. Yeah. Um, because it's week to week, they don't make you sort of wait and wait and wait so you're ripping your hair out these sort of arcs these mini arcs come to an end and it's just a continuation of his journey to become the andor we know and and lose um i let's let's just take a moment to talk briefly with andor in these past three episodes in this little mini, okay. mini heist arc to just talk about like what this show is revealing about like what you can do with the property. I know we spent like two, two, two and a half hours talking about this when like the first few episodes dropped, but like, <laughs> but like you could give me Mon Mothma's political family drama. Oh my God. I know. And I would watch that show. Like just the fact that these characters have families and like, there's enough, you know, room for that. To do yeah. these little things, like I, I have never wanted to set a character more on fire than Mon Mothma's husband. <laughs> he's, he's he's a big piece of shit. Um, but even like you know that the the head of you know the admiral whatever who they take hostage in in the heist, like yeah. the one little scene of him like trying to get his sash done up, like just a dumb little human moment that like when we were doing like the space operas in the early, in the early movies, like there was not, there was no, not a lot of room for that sort of thing. Right. In there. And it's like, well, or if they, if they did put it in, it felt really like wedged in, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I remember people didn't like Oscar Isaac cracking jokes. Um, when it come, call him Colonel hugs or whatever. And, and like last Jedi, like people thought that was just so, so like not what star Wars was. And I was like, oh, star Wars can be that. Like, 
Because that scene of him not getting the sash done up is like, why does he care? He wants to look good so he can make a good impression because they can, so they can get off this post that they're on because they hate it. And they've been there for like eight years, Yeah, you know? And also, holy shit, meteor shower thing. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> that thing so looked well incredible. Done. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Andor's dope. And Kate, yeah. and I, Kate and I both, for a show that we're not actively, you know, that has never been the topic of an episode, it's still like possibly better than some of the things we talk about week to week. Oh, but. 100% it is. 100%. Um, but it's hard because we can't give each other these things because it's so, we, we want to watch them and they're so important to the dialogue, uh, to the conversation. The disco. The disco. Um, for new people, that's discourse. Um, the other thing, so you had mentioned that uh, your favorite podcast was bringing up BritBox. Mm-hmm. Well, I was uh, trawling BritBox because I was like, God damn it, I need a murder mystery. This is ridiculous. Listen, I'll have to find you a clip of Andy reading Chris' uh, show titles from BritBox and having him pick which one was fake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that, that's good actually. Um, so I I dipped my toe into the Doctor Blake mysteries, mm-hmm. which were fine, were pretty good. Um, and then I stumbled upon a gem called Mur- Murder in Provence, mm. um, which is interesting because they do it um a little like they've done a, a couple of um other other series where it's it, they speak in a British accent, um, but they are supposed to be French. Um, and they, they do it pretty well, actually. Um, they don't, they're not trying to put on fake French accents to be like, yes, this is French. Like they just, they speak in British accents, but they are supposed to be French. And, um, and it was really good. Um, murder in Provence, definitely. If you're into murder mysteries, um, they're great. Uh, basically it also demonstrates how the justice system in French or the, um, uh, French courts are a little bit different where apparently judges um, are more like investigators where they take a look at all the evidence and then will, you know, do their own um, collecting of evidence. They'll talk to um, the suspects. They'll talk to witnesses. Um, they sort of are um, investigators and they and they will put the pieces of the puzzle together themselves kind of um i'm sure the series obviously is is exaggerating that a little bit um but it was still really interesting and um one of the character one of the main characters she actually is will you'll recognize her as the lady from father brown if you watch enough enough father brown um and it was just lovely to see her in something else as well because she's a great actress um so that was a lot of fun and then because we finished Rings of Power, um, it was enough to make us want to watch Lord of the Rings. So we started that again <laughs> halfway through uh, the second second movie. Though I will skip all of the Frodo parts because I find those the least interesting. Um, though Samwise Gamgee is the best character. Um, and finally, obviously, he is. he actually, Tolkien himself said that Sam was the hero of the story. And I will fight you, anybody else who says otherwise. Um, And weirdly, I'm just going to bring it up because it was very fundamental in my 
my 20s. Um, the new Florence and the Machine album, Dance Fever, um, is amazing. And I love it so much. And you should listen to it if you want a really good listen for the winter. That's all. Well, there you go. Yeah. What do I have that we have not talked about? Um, reading a book, a bookie book. Bookie book. Bookie book. It's a memoir by an author. Uh, he's a writer for The New Yorker and a bunch of other places. His name is Huasu. Um, the book is called Stay True. Did I talk about this on the last step? I don't recall if I did or not, but no, because I, I started reading it on Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, is a memoir. Uh, it's kind of the story of this friendship that he had in uh, college. Uh, Huasu is a Taiwanese American, and his friendship was was with a guy named Ken, who was a Japanese American, and very much mm-hmm. like an Asian American, like a model minority type. Um, didn't really identify with the Japanese side of his personality, and was kind of like a broy jock, um, you know socially easy person. Um, and Hwasu was very much the typical ratty cardigan, uh, making zines on the weekends type of vibe. And, uh, the kind of friendship that they formed, uh, as this odd couple pairing. Um, and then I don't know when sometime after college, but, uh, Ken was killed in a carjacking and this is kind of just, it's, I was startled to see I had read as much of the book as I had when last time I picked it up because nothing has really happened. <laughs> right. Like he's a really Slow good, burn. he's a really good writer and it's, it's an enjoyable read and it's, it's, it's relaxing and I'm enjoying the process of reading it. But not really much has happened. Like maybe I'm too close to his demo, not in the like age wise age and time. Um, if not, you know, uh, racially, but I too remember, <laughs> judging people by their CD collections when I was in, you know, right. When I was in first year university, you know, like this is not new. I don't need to read about you doing it, sir. I did it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to some of the other stuff that I didn't know about. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty dope. Other book that I have not picked up yet. It's actually something I've already read, but I will be picking it up. Oh, I was, I was thrilled when I pulled this out of, or when I think, I think, I think one of my coworkers pulled it out of a box at major Canadian retailer. And I went, Oh damn. So this was out, uh, digitally, which is how I read it It is a manga by an author named Masaki Nakayama. And it is called PTSD radio. Caitlin. Yeah. Is Junji Ito just too chill for you? Um, not, not for me, but I know that was rhetorical. Get into PTSD radio. Oh God. Essentially. It's just about like a little, like, bunch of tangentially connected vignettes uh, about a, I guess, kind of a malevolent god of hair and the people who worship it. And as much as like Uzumaki was about spirals, like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of that vibe. Um, this had only been on digital. They are putting it out in three honking phone books, um, not honking <laughs> phone books. I mean, they're, they're decent sizes, but um, they'll be put out all six volumes Real rapid succession, because like like I said, the translation was already done for the digital version, so I think by February, all three of these will be out, and I will probably pre-order them all. Caitlin, why am I like this? I don't bring this into my life any other way. 
but a good horror manga just I, just does it to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe like I like comic books, but I really love comic books that have amazing art. And and often I am I will I mean I'll only buy them if they're even if I think that they're important, like The Watchmen. A totally important read, especially for anybody who's interested in comic books or the history of comic books or you know, how comic books change the game, especially how they're so important in today's storytelling and have been for the last little while. But I will never buy it because the art, I don't like it. (laughs) And I'm sure sure for the time, I mean, I know a ton of people could tell me the importance of the art in in it and um, how it was influential to other artists, but I don't find it aesthetically pleasing. So I don't want Ugh. it in my house. Just, <laughs> just put it into Google and hit up the image search and I'm like, Ugh. 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 Um, yeah, yeah it's, uh... Uh, it's, it's that it's, it's our very particular that that's for you. That is the particular thing. There's a lot of manga out there, but horror manga has this particular je ne sais quoi. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And like, listen, uh-huh. if, if, if Junji Ito is like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Snail girl, that's nice. But you want something that's actually going to give you a little like if, if Junji Ito is like your weed and it's not really hitting like it used to, and you need something a little stronger. You want a little bit of I don't know, and that's a cocaine in your weed. That's not implying like gore. That's implying creepiness, like Ugh. unsettled. Again, I the, the, this is called this, fun. This, <laughs> we, we call this fun. Is this do we do we call this fun? Is that what we call it? I don't know. Uh, that's that's how I found. That's how I feel about like Anne Rice. I'm like, were was was were the vampires not enough for you? <laughs> Do you want weird, like really weird? Uh, oh boy, read the Mayfair books. Read the Witching Hour. Uh, moving on. Uh, no, not moving on yet. Uh, other things I checked out. Um, I mentioned that Reservation Dogs season two was uh, slowly trickling onto uh, Disney Plus here in Canada. Yes, I've been recommitting to uh i gave it some time some time away because i was caught up and i was mad because i was caught up <laughs> so i had to give it some time turns out i only gave it a week there was only one episode i hadn't seen yet <laughs> that went up but the show's great i mean y'all know it's great watch reservation dogs um the- or like me wait until they've completed because i'm gonna get mad that i've done that i finished most recent episode was uh cheese inadvertently getting arrested and ending up in kind of like a boy's home and mark Marin plays the uh the guy who runs the boy's home it's very my god amazing it's very good um also fun fact cheese's name is chester that's why they call him cheese oh love it didn't even realize uh moving on to the executive producer cute files you know you love those because we always find we always find the the interesting things when we're together. Uh, one thing that yeah. didn't hit. Let's start here. I had heard decent things about Midnight Club on Netflix. Isn't so, that just the the Are You Afraid of the Dark ripoff? It basically, it's based on some YA novels. Um, it's done by your boy Flanagan, Mike Flanagan, I believe his name is. He did Haunting on Hill House. He did Murder Mass. He's like he's he's Netflix's go to horror guy. And this, and this is their YA young adult version. It's basically about a bunch of kids in a, uh, who are so, uh, dealing with cancer, who are in a hospice. And every night they sneak out into like the basement area of the hospice where other weird things are probably happening. Um, and then they tell each other stories to try to creep each other out. That's the hook. 
Okay. It's set in the 90s. I gave uh, Chris and Andy, we're kind of talking about it. So I gave it an ep and did not really hit. So probably be skipping that one. Just watch Are You From the Dark? <laughs> or Goosebumps. It's basically Goosebumps. Yeah. Also, we checked out, or we didn't check out. <laughs> Who checks it out? It's like a 25-year-old movie. Uh, we watched The Bronx Tale on Thanksgiving weekend. Just because. Oh, that's that's nice. A, that's a, it is. Exactly that, Kate. It, <laughs> that is well, see, nice. I... I watch things yearly. Like I have things that I watch every year. Right. Um, and, and like, it's weird because Chris knows that I watch these things and he doesn't have to watch them with me, but he, this year he got excited when I started my, my pride and prejudice rewatch. <laughs> um, and he'll like, he can quote things with me now, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, there's just some fall watches and that's a really nice sort of thing to watch. It is. It, it I mean, if you're unfamiliar, it's a movie De Niro directed in the early to mid nineties, probably, um, based on a play by Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri also plays the, uh, the lead gangster here. It's basically about a kid growing up in the Bronx in the fifties and sixties and kind of the pull between the, uh, you know, the glamorous gangsters on the corner and his, uh, you know, working class bus driver dad and trying to like straddle both of those, uh, what having one foot in each of those lanes. Yeah. I guess. And his, dad, and his dad trying to keep him safe. Yes. That's a big part of it. Put him in the bathroom. Um, last thing we watched, this was a tip that we had gotten from, or that I had gotten from somebody at work, and we checked it out, and it turned out it was pretty good. Um, it's a show called Reboot. It is on, also on Disney Plus here in Canada. This is a show by, I think it's on Hulu in the States. It's created by Stephen Levitan, who did Modern Family. And it is basically about... A woman goes into Hulu, a writer goes into Hulu and wants to reboot a updated version of basically a 90s era TGIF uh, mm-hmm. sitcom. And that show was called Step Right Up and um, the actors, the cast is like impeccable. It's like Keegan-Michael Key, Judy Greer, Johnny Knoxville. Um, and she wants to uh, she wants to redo it and kind of like make it a little... Not not dark and gritty, but like make it a little more mature, have a little more to say than just being, you know, right. slapsticky. Um, but because the you know creator of the show still owns the rights, he comes on board, and it's the push pull between the two of them. And in classic sitcom fashion, the original creator of the show, played by Paul Reiser, is you know this writer's father, and basically she wanted to like weaponize the show against him to work out her issues because she sees him doing the show as like he left their family and got another one. Right. And they made a sitcom about it. And she's trying to like take that back. Um, it's, I mean, modern family was one of those shows that was just kind of like, you could always count on for like, at least a, at least a base hit. Right. Maybe it didn't hit a grand slam, but it was like, it was nothing one like 17 Emmys on one run. Like, mm-hmm. And this is a, yes, there's swearing. Yes, there's, you know, mature situations. Um, but Ju- Judy Greer alone is fantastic. Um, she's one of those, like, you know her when you see her actresses. Like, maybe if you don't know her name. But she's been just such, like, a pillar of, like, supporting comedy acting for, like, the last 15 years. Like, she was, I think a lot of people know her on, on Arrested Development. She played, uh, like, the assistant who kept showing her boob job off. Like... <laughs> That's what she did. Um, 
but yeah, she's fantastic. Johnny Knoxville is surprisingly good on this show as well. And just yeah, I I remember seeing the trailers and being like, Johnny Knoxville, he acts. Like yeah. That. <laughs> But he seems like he's actually pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and like for, for a good sitcom, um, it's it's pretty good. And one other thing I should mention: every time I spend time with executive producer Q, we always find time to uh, check out the latest episode of Abbott Elementary, which is not a show that really comes up often around here. I don't think it needs to. It turned it fucked around and became like the biggest sitcom of the last year, um, yeah. and won a bunch of Emmys. But if you're not watching Abbott Elementary, that's just such a like delightful. So those delightful place to be and hang out in for a half hour every week. So, do you want to know something really interesting? Of course I do. Um, fun fact about the show: um, one of the reasons. Oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, creator writer Qu- Quinta Brunson. Quinta Brunson from what well, we know from BuzzFeed, um, but now of course has achieved amazing success and good for her. Um, she one of the reasons she fought for it to be on cable is because you can watch it. You can only watch cable in prison. Oh, really? Um, and she's like that. She's like, I know that's such a weird, small thing, but it it's just important. And I thought that was Listen, really, really interesting. Come on now. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just thought, you know, she wanted it to be this really, this show that had this sense of some of the other things you'd find on cable from way back when. And I think, I think she's just... I think she's lovely and brilliant, and I think the cast is fantastic. And I also I second the you should just be watching it, just to give you a little bit of a, a lift in life. I think. Listen, ain't nothing wrong with just watching something that makes you feel happy. There's enough bullshit yeah. out there. Just watch something that makes you feel happy. And I know it's not the same, but it gives me the same feeling as Community did. It's yeah, it's it's not as uh, it's obviously not as irreverent as Community was. Um, but as far as like, I just want to chill with you. Like I started binging the last, the first season is on Disney plus here in Canada. Um, and I just started to rewatch not too long ago, just randomly. I was like, I want something to watch for 90 minutes before I go to bed. It's like, Oh my God, let me just watch Abbott elementary. Cause I'm going to enjoy myself. Anyway, only other thing I watched was a gang of stuff that we'll talk about next week. Woo. Fucking amped. Y'all. So much. Fucking amped. So much. <laughs> Love fall anime. <laughs> That'll be next week. This week, we're going to talk about something spoopy because it's the season. Yep. So, so we'll take a break right here. And when we come back, we will talk about werewolves, specifically at night. <laughs> After this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. And as Jordan said, this week we're going for something a little spooky, but not not really. But, you know, just the theme-wise. It works for this season. Um, <laughs> next week, as Jordan said, we'll be going into our fall anime preview um which is also spooky because i have a lot of anime to watch in the next week <laughs> that's, um, that's the scary shit that's the scary stuff um however before we get into this week's spooky endeavor um we have some rules mm-hmm. 
The first rule is the rule of three. That is the rule that if things come in parts, we will watch three of them so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. This week, it does not apply because it is a technically a TV movie. Rule number two, hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones. So we have no idea if we have watched it, if we liked it, if we hated it, nothing. Because we want you guys to get the freshest of takes from us. Keeps you part of the conversation. Third rule, and it actually kind of applies, I guess, maybe, is that it's not really a rule, it's just sort of a policy on the podcast, is that there will be spoilers. If you do not want to know about what happens in this TV movie, then do not continue listening because we will probably spoil anything that is going to be spoiled. We'll talk all about it. Um, So if you're like, no, thank you, then you need to GTFO, um, but nicely. Um, Make yourself a tea or some sort of pumpkin spiced drink. Uh, light a candle, um, watch Practical Magic, oh my God. have yourself a nice little, a nice little Tuesday evening, um, <laughs> but definitely stop, stop listening now. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about Werewolf by Night. That's right. Um, so Werewolf by Night um, is an American television special directed by Michael Giacchino and written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron for Disney+. Plus. It is based on the Marvel comics featuring the character of the same name. Um, it is the first Marvel Studios special presentation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sharing continuity with the films and television series of the franchise. Um, The special was produced by Marvel Studios and uh, follows a secret group of monster hunters as they compete for a powerful relic while going up against a dangerous monster. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal um, as the uh, main character, Jack Russell, or Werewolf by Night, along with Laura Donnelly and Harriet Sansom Harris, who is one of those actresses that you're like, I don't know what I know her from, but I know her from a bunch of stuff. Um, it, I, I guess I'll go into the plot a little bit. Um, following the death of Ulysses Bloodstone, five experienced monster hunters, including Jack Russell, are summoned by Ulysses' widow, Verusa to Bloodstone Manor, where they are instructed to participate in a competitive hunt to determine their new leader who will wield the powerful Bloodstone. Ulysses' strange daughter Elsa also arrives to compete for the Bloodstone, despite Verusa warning her against doing so. Basically, they have to hunt some unknown terror through this maze um, and for for the Bloodstone. Um, I guess the big thing, the first to mention about the film, or yeah, the the film is that it is released on Disney Plus as this like Marvel special, um, so very much like a TV special, and it is in black and white, and it is filmed like a terrible seventies campy horror, even I would say sixties campy horror movie. Um, I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I thought it was a lot of fun and it was real short, <laughs> even shorter than I thought it was going to be. So you know how much we love, we love that. We do love short um, things. And yeah, it was just sort of, yeah, it was campy and fun and not taking itself seriously at all. Um, and so I had a, I had a good time watching it, but of course I'm not someone who has like, I don't want to say I don't have taste, but I'm not easier to please. <laughs> Jordan, how did you feel about it? Well, here's the thing. We know, we know how I've been about the just dominance of Atlanta smashing Marvel, uh, for the past, you know, decade and how yes. over it I am. Uh, this is a real banner week for Marvel, to be honest. I forgot to talk about it in the first half, but She-Hulk wrapped up this week mm-hmm. and went the full Grant Morrison in the finale. And I know some people weren't delighted by the She-Hulk finale. I was cackling. I loved it <laughs> so much. Like smashing through the window that smashing through the tile, the menu tiles on Disney plus going to meet the writers, um, talking to Kevin <laughs> asking when we're getting the X-Men. Like I was just like <laughs> delighted. So that was like the one punch of weird Marvel this week. And werewolf by night was the other, uh, was the right hook of weird Marvel. Um, because you're like, how does this possibly fit in to like the Avengers? Um, Marvel Comics has been around for a long time, and before it was yeah. called Marvel Comics, it was called Atlas Comics. And yes, it was before there was su- before superheroes ran the day. This is your real quick and dirty uh, superhero history lesson. The Golden Age was the 30s. That was Superman, Batman, all that jazz. Most of your DC stuff. The Marvel stuff really came to the fore in what they call the Silver Age, which was the 60s, which was Spider Man, Fantastic Four, X Men, etc. That gap between the 30s and the 60s. Comic publishers just made comics for everything. They just made comics for what people read. So you had Western comics and uh, romance comics, and you also had monster comics. And some of these ideas, you know, date back to there. That's how you get these like horror comics, or where you can have these weird monsters. I don't know if Fin Fa- I, was Fin Fang Foom in here at all. I didn't. I didn't frame by frame every monster on the wall. Uh, I shown in don't here, but. know. I'm not the person to ask. Not aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I. But that, yeah. that's what we're talking about. There's a bunch of weird. If you if you look under the hood of like the full Marvel history, there's a lot of weird shit going on under there. So much weird weird stuff. Um, so and I, so much weird stuff. Like there's it's just there's a lot of deep stuff that they could tap into that I'm really glad that they are tapping into. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I can be totally honest here and say that I was not paying a hundred percent rapt attention to this while it was on. I'm being, yeah. being real talk. Uh, there was, there was a lot of second screen experience going on here. A lot of putting my laundry away while it was on uh, a lot of that. But I probably missed once, you know, once action scenes probably started, I probably did not pay very close attention, but I love that this exists and I love that they did it. And I love that they did it in this format. Yeah. I love that they threw up this, but like, listen, uh, friends, let me take you back to when the world was young and all you had was, uh, you know, network television. Yeah. Well, you you only had like six channels. And sometimes if one of the popular shows, if cheers was on hiatus or something, they took the week off (laughs) on one of the hit shows. They just need to, (laughs) they just need to fill a block. So they had a one-off 
something. Yeah. A little, a, TV, special. a little TV special. And that is how this is presented down to that fucking spinning logo with the like a Marvel studio special presentation. Come the fuck on. I'm totally that just Oh, it, aesthetically it was it was beautiful. That just ticks um, ticks all my boxes right there. I also like that they they diverge so it even though like aesthetically it was so reminiscent of stuff from the like 60s and 70s mm. um even late 50s of just like and there was that classic horror um aspect to it um uh like like movie horror like you know Dracula and the Wolfman and all of that I also loved the storytelling and the acting was great. I mean, really it was carried by um, uh, Bernal and Laura Donnelly. Yes. Um, And she's, she's from the nevers. She did a great job in the nevers. I loved, I loved her in that and she was great in this. Um, And they really carried it and it was a lot of fun. Um, And then there was man thing. And and, and man things in it. So, and, and they made, and that was the sort of like man thing. The way they did man thing was very sort of like wacky guardians of the galaxy esque. Right. So there was like these elements of things that they've sort of pulled in from the larger cinematic universe. Um, You know, one of the things we've talked about a couple times with Marvel is that we've really loved when they've gone genre with their stuff. Um, the writers of Werewolf by Night are um, Heather Quinn, who really she's only done this and she wrote, uh, she was a main writer on Hawkeye. And mm. then Peter Cameron, who has done, I mean, he did Carnival Row, but he also did WandaVision, Moon Knight, um, which WandaVision, I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? It's this sort of ode to, to television um, through the, the decades um so yeah so this is not a surprise especially coming coming from him but i it was but, a surprise because i didn't know it was coming yeah and wandavision still had to like leave those trappings behind two-thirds through the season and get to smashy smashy set up whatever multiverse of madness is coming this just yes. exists this is just a thing yeah. and it was fun and if they want to do like you know they want to do a six episode bloodstone series next year okay cool whatever um doesn't need to happen would i love no, to see and it? i want it to be in this i want it to be in this like black and white like i want to see there were like burn marks on the corner to tell you when to like change the film <laughs> that like i i want that aesthetic listen, 100% listen we all we all want to see more man thing i think we're all in agreement there we just Oh my God! Yes, and if you're like, this is just a rip up of the thing. Technically, Man Thing came up before the thing, so do walk along. What the hell's the line? He he was heart nose fear burns at the touch of the Man Thing. Come on, <laughs> come on. Also, Ted's um, he's adorable. He is adorable, <laughs> and the fact that what's his name, Jack? See, I don't even know what we're. I just called him Werewolf by Night the whole time. What the hell's his name? Uh, yes, Jack Russell. Jack? The fact that Jack's the only one who can understand him. Um, yeah, and, and that and that he came to save Jack, and that's and that's the plot. Like he's there because Man Thing slash Ted is the monster they are hunting, and he wants to get him out of there in one piece. Um, yeah, so he's there to try to divert the other monster hunters, and then ooh, plot twist: he's actually a monster who masquerades as a monster hunter. And and the thing is, it's not a real plot twist. You're not like, ah, but it is the plot twist in the 1960s yes. of. Plot twist, if right? If you're grading it, yes. By 1960s caliber plot twist, then yes. Gasp. What a twist. 
but I like I like the way it was shot. I like that he's always in shadow when he's in uh you know when he's werewolf form. He's predominantly in shadow the whole time. That fight was fine. Like that, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It was an hour. It was fun. I had a good time while I was there. I would like to see more man thing, and I was out. And yeah, I don't know what more you need. Like it, it's brevity, kind of like makes it a little upper echelon for me. Like just that it it committed to what it was. It mm-hmm. got weird with it, and fucking yes, get weird with it. Yeah, it's comic books, man. Like, let's go. Make Daredevil do the walk. Make Daredevil do the walk of shame. Have Man yeah. Thing chill in a you know, on a log, <laughs> drinking tea with the with the werewolf by night. Like, g- give me that with shit. all the stuff that he's stolen. Yes, <laughs> with Ted stolen. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it just. I think that you're right. I think the brevity was part of its fun. Um, I hope someday it actually does get played on a television somewhere. <laughs> Um, and I hope it does well enough that they want to do more quote unquote special presentations. Like just take some, yeah. give me a fucking Fin Fang Foom Kaiju movie. Like just why, why the fuck not? Like just the toy box is so full of shit that has yet to be touched. It doesn't all mm-hmm. have to be smashy, smashy superheroes. There's and, enough and in weirdly, there to get to. I feel like I know, I mean, DC has not done a lot, right? But one of the things it has done is dipped its toe much more into that, those pools of the weird. Mm. Um, I mean, we saw how successful Guardians of the Galaxy was when it came out. Um, and that was part of it. It had took all these characters that no one had ever heard of before. And, and it took Guardians of the Galaxy, which was not a really well-known Oh, every, everybody group. went zuh when they announced that. Because, like, unless you were deep in it, nobody knew what the fuck the Guardians of the Galaxy were. like. And now it's beloved, right? And that's because it was different. And it had something to say about, like, you know, found family. Um, and I just think that they, I mean, they, DC has done that with Doom Patrol, um, and a bunch of other properties as well. And they've, they've, I mean, the one thing I can say, like, kind of kudos to Marvel is dipping its toe and still trying to knit this, the universes together. Um, because I think for a long time they were like, oh, we can't do weird, interesting things because it won't be able to fold into the larger cinematic universe. And I think someone has shaken them and been like, no, you fools. (laughs) Like you can do this. Um, You just have to like, kind of trust, trust your creators. Um, So yeah. So anyways, it was a great watch and a lot of fun and a really good, fun little outing for spooky season. Seven and a half kick punches for me. I'm going to say eight. I really enjoyed it. I just love Ted so much. <laughs> I just want to hang out with Ted. Um, and I did love, I love the acting and I love the the feeling of it. And I liked how it made me feel. So it, you get an eight werewolf by night. <laughs> that is on Disney+. Plus. If you check it out and you enjoy it, you can always let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. We'd be delighted to hear your thoughts. Get up off Twitter. We have our selections we do about five for anime preview episodes. But if yeah. you got anything you want to make sure we're watching, also get at us on Twitter. There's about one one spot for wiggle room in there of the five that I just kind of pick something at random. But if you're like, you got to be watching this, there's a, we can do some substitutions, perhaps. And I'm not on Twitter, so he has to let me know. You got to get, gotta get out early. Get it in early. <laughs> but otherwise... We will be getting into all that anime next week. Executive producer Cute is already uh, finding alternate listens for that week. <laughs>
but we do. The numbers cannot be denied. I've seen the metrics. <laughs> they like it when we when we love and or trash or trash anime. anime. And I guarantee you we will do both next week. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week as you do. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Say something funny. God, you know that's the worst possible thing to do to someone. You're a complete asshole. <laughs> See, look, you did it. <laughs> Is that enough? Did you need more funny? <laughs> Always more funny.